Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. More closed-door hearings today by the Democrats in the House of Representatives. More leaks to the New York Times telling us what's going to be testified to or what has been testified to. And I hope you folks saw uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin last night, 10 p.m. Eastern, where I went through this in uh, very great detail. But this secrecy is really unbelievable from the Democrats who demanded grand jury information related to the Mueller investigation and who have subpoenas flying all over the place for all kinds of personal records and financial information involving the president and his family and business partners. Here they're conducting uh, hearings, taking depositions, the Democrats in the House of Representatives, and the public may not participate. The public doesn't have any idea what's going on. This is real third-world fascistic stuff. That's what it is. And that's why I say and have said and spent a lot of time on this Friday that the President of the United States shouldn't give them anything. He should not give his imprimatur or that of the executive branch to this process. For those who say the House doesn't have any constitutional duty to follow the process that it followed in Nixon and Clinton... I say, well, the president doesn't have any constitutional duty to respond to them either. If that's the way it's going to play, then that's the way it's going to play. There's nothing in the Constitution that requires a president to respond to a subpoena. Or to allow executive branch officials, current or former, to testify in secret. His lawyers aren't even allowed to participate in this process. Now, they think they're very clever on the left, the media, the Democrats. They say, well, this is like a grand jury process. No, actually, it's not like a grand jury process. There's nothing like a grand jury process at all. On the one hand, they say, well, it doesn't have to actually be a a crime to impeach a president. And in that, they're right. But then they refer to a grand jury process, which is all about a criminal investigation. This is a constitutional process separate and apart from a criminal investigation or a civil investigation for that matter. And there is no concern whatsoever for the vast majority of the media, a reporter here and there, but the vast majority of newsrooms are perfectly comfortable with this. Perfectly comfortable with these star chambers. Well, I'm not. And that's why the president must reject them out of hand and not reply to anything that they want. Nothing. There's a piece by a left-wing former reporter, I guess he writes opinion pieces now, by the name of Tabby, T-A-I-B-B-I, in some uh, publication. 
It's a very interesting piece. He doesn't like Trump. He trashes Trump. But he says we're in a permanent coup. Americans might soon wish they just waited to vote their way out of the Trump era. He says we have long been spared this madness in America. Our head counting ceremony was election day. We did it once every four years. That's all over in the Trump era. On Thursday, news broke that two businessmen said to have peddled supposedly explosive information about corruption involving Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, quote-unquote, were arrested at Dulles Airport on campaign finance violations. The two figures are alleged to be bagmen bearing dirt on Democrats, solicited by Trump and his personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman will be asked to give depositions to impeachment investigators, and they're reportedly going to refuse. Their lawyer, John Dowd, also says they will refuse to appear before House Committee investigating President Trump. Fruman and Parnas, meanwhile, claim they had real derogatory information about Biden and other politicians. But they said, quote, the U.S. government had shown little interest in receiving it through official channels. Through official channels. Well, now we have a public war of leaks, he points out. And that's quite true. The first big shot was fired in early January 2017 via CNN.com headline. Intel chiefs presented Trump with claim of Russian efforts to compromise him. This tale about the January 7th presentation of former British spy Christopher Seale's report to then-President Trump began as followed. Classified documents presented last week to President Obama, President-elect Trump, included allegations that Russia operatives claimed to have compromising personal and financial information about Mr. Trump. Multiple U.S. officials with direct knowledge of the briefings tell CNN. Four intelligence chiefs in the FBI's James Comey, the CIA's John Brennan, the NSA's Mike Rogers, and Director of National Intelligence James Clapper presented an incoming president with a politically disastrous piece of information. In this case, a piece of private opposition research report. The agency's new trick is inserting themselves into domestic politics using leaks and media pressure. The Intel Chiefs meeting was just the first in a series of similar stories, many following the pattern in which a document was created, passed from department from department, and leaked. A sample. He's talking about these intelligence agencies now in a coup against the president. February 14, 2017, quote, Four current and former officials tell the New York Times the Trump campaign had repeated contacts with Russian intelligence. March 1, 2017, Justice Department officials tell the Washington Post, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, quote, spoke twice with Russia's ambassador, unquote, and did not disclose the contacts ahead of his confirmation hearing. See the pattern? All about intelligence. March 18, 2017, people familiar with the matter tell the Wall Street Journal, that former Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn failed to disclose a contact with a Russian at Cambridge University. An episode that came to the notice of U.S. intelligence. April 8, 2017. Law enforcement and other U.S. officials tell the Washington Post, and you get it. It goes on. To be sure, people familiar with the matter leaked a lot of true stories in the last few years, but many were clearly problematic, even at the time of release. 
Moreover, all took place in the context of constant hounding pressure from media figures, congressional allies like Democrats Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell, as well as ex-officials who could make use of their own personal public platforms in addition to being unnamed sources in straight news reports. So if Clapper works for a network, Brennan works for a network, McCabe worked for CNN. Unbelievable. A shocking number of these voices were former intel officers who joined Clapper in becoming paid news contributors. Op-ed pages and news networks are packed now with ex-spooks editorializing about stories in which they had personal involvement. Michael Morrell, Michael Hayden, Asha Rangappa, Andrew McCabe, among others, including especially all four of the original intel chiefs. Clapper, Rogers, Comey, and MSNBC headliner John Brennan. Trump's campaign uh, antagonism toward the military intelligence world was at best a millimeter thick. Like almost everything else he said as a candidate, it was a gimmick, he writes, designed to get votes. Remember, he's a leftist. That he was insincere and full of it and irresponsible, uh, at, uh, at first at least, when he attacked the deep state in the fake news media doesn't change the reality of what's happened since. Even paranoiacs have enemies. And even Donald Deep State Trump is a legitimately elected president whose ouster is being actively sought by the intelligence community. Trump stands accused of using the office of the presidency to advance political aims, in particular pressuring Ukraine to investigate potential campaign rival Joe Biden. He's guilty, he writes, but the issue is how guilty in comparison to his accusers. Trump, at least insofar as we know, has not used Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act to monitor political rivals. He hasn't deployed human counterintelligence informants to follow the likes of Hunter Biden. He hasn't (coughs) maneuvered to secure special counsel probes of Democrats. So you see what this gentleman is saying as he's a leftist. Is now... Top FBI, top intelligence, not even top intelligence. These intelligence agencies are trying to push out the President of the United States. They're concocting stories, leaking them to the media, and then partisan Democrats in Congress are using them. Like this so-called whistleblower. It's no surprise that this so-called whistleblower is a CIA operative who worked first for the Obama administration, then for a period of time in the Trump administration, and who was close to Joe Biden, and yet used secondhand information, brought in lawyers who are leftists, with attachments to other organizations that are left-wing. No surprise that this CIA operative worked with Adam Schiff's staff. No surprise this all took place in the shadows. No surprise that this guy had no first-hand information. He was spying, gathering information on the President of the United States and his phone call. And no surprise now that the House Democrats are conducting their proceedings in secret, leaking information to the New York Times or ABC News or CNN, closed hearings where the American people cannot watch, participate, make their own judgment about what's taking place involving their vote, involving their president, involving their government, their country. 
It's all being spoon-fed to us. And all of a sudden, they'll drop it like a ton of bricks on our head with a chorus of media saying exactly the same thing, doing exactly the same thing. The intelligence agencies and counterintelligence activities at the FBI from day one trying to set up the president of the United States, even as he was running for president of the United States. Oh, yes, you better believe it's a coup. And I don't need other radio hosts or Newt Gingrich to tell me that. I was the first one to point out this is a silent coup, as opposed to a violent coup. Although it's getting increasingly violent. And the media? It's almost humorous to hear people now talk about the media, isn't it? On TV and radio, while they promote their own books? There's an entire book on this subject, called Unfreedom of the Press. If you acquaint yourself, even at a superficial level with the book, you'll know exactly what's taking place and why. No surprise to anybody. I'll be right back. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago... Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. It's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu. That's hillsdale.edu for more information. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. I want you to think about this Democrat Party, ladies and gentlemen, and how diabolical it is across the board. Across the board. Does this party ever talk about freedom? Does this party ever talk about republicanism? I don't mean party republicanism. I mean governing republicanism. Does this party ever honestly talk about the Constitution. What part of the Constitution do they actually believe in? Is this party ever a party for good? Does this party believe in the market system and capitalism that has brought this nation more wealth than any combination of nations in history? Does it believe in securing the nation-state? So this grand culture can continue to exist and be vibrant and healthy, accepting other individuals in a manageable, administrative way who assimilate into our culture on a rational basis? Is this a party that believes in 
the men and women who put on their uniforms to protect us, whether it's our police officers or our military. Look throughout history. No person or no party is evil throughout. Well, that's not true. Most are not. Some are. But for the most part, has the Democrat Party been an evil party or a good party? We have people who like to talk about America's imperfections and they focus on slavery. But they never talk about the party that promoted slavery. The party that led the Confederacy. The party that pushed nullification of federal civil rights laws. The party that stopped little black kids from going to school with little white kids. The party who used literacy tests and they used poll taxes, the Jim Crow era, to prevent black people in this country from being treated equally under our legal system, even though a civil war had been fought a hundred years before. And a party today that attacks our economic system, our constitutional system, our legal system, you name it. Look how they conduct themselves in the House of Representatives. Shortly after they take over the majority, and not a huge majority by historic standards, a rather thin majority, 37 votes out of 435 members. That simply means if 19 of them lose their, their seats, then the Republicans are in control. And they have used a temporary majority to quickly try and conduct this coup against a president. A a coup that they're conducting in secret. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we like to talk about Russia and Ukraine and these other countries. How's the Democrat Party any different from Vladimir Putin and his party? Or the corrupt Ukrainian party that existed before the current reform president. How are they any different? They're trying to remove a president of the United States, lay the foundation for such, by rejecting every notion of justice that Western civilization has ever cobbled together, going right down the list and crossing every element of it out. Now, this is a big problem. And, of course, the media are perfectly happy with it. Why? Because it's not a free press. That's why they're propagandists. They're propagandists. And thanks to O'Keefe and his organization, I'm about to prove it. We'll be right back. Liberty and learning. In a healthy democracy, these two things are mutually supportive. In America today, however, that bond is broken. To help repair the breach, Hillsdale College has launched the Van Andel Graduate School of Government in the nation's capital. And unlike other graduate programs, Hillsdale teaches politics as a human activity oriented toward justice. A series of choices guided in the best case by right principles, but made in ever-changing circumstances that require prudence to achieve the best attainable results. Hillsdale's curriculum combines the careful reading of primary sources and serious historical inquiry. Students learn how to apply the principles of free government 
and advance the cause of constitutionalism in the context of ever-changing circumstances. Hillsdale's new Van Andel School of Government is a program unlike any other in Washington, D.C. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. If you turn off your radio and open the window, you can probably hear him straight from the studio. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. Project Veritas and uh, our good friend James O'Keefe have exposed CNN, I think, for the final time. Particularly Jeff Motherzucker. Jeff Motherzucker... You know, it's interesting. Every time it comes to Trump or somebody that the the Democrats and the media try to take out, they talk about our campaign finance laws. You got these two Ukrainians, right? All of a sudden, out of the blue, they're charged with violating our campaign finance laws, right? Tell me, if the head of a newsroom, like Jeff Motherzucker, is focused exclusively on defeating Donald Trump's candidacy and his impeachment. Is that not a thing of value? Is that not a campaign contribution? I know all the backbenchers will mention this tomorrow. It's okay. I'm just theorizing with you. Well, Mark, that's free speech. Well, where does free speech begin? And where does violating our campaign laws begin? That is, where does free speech end and our campaign laws begin? And it's a legitimate question when it comes to CNN now, thanks to James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. Now, you may have heard some of this today, but most of you work. You're probably in your cars or at the dinner table. So let me play some of this for you. So one of the voices in the background, that sounds like a uh, 800 number is Jeff Zucker, the president of CNN. Cut, nine, go. You know, let's start at the top. I, I want you to know they have a, a daily 9 a.m. meeting with Jeff Mother Zucker, who talks to the producers, the directors, and the hosts on what their focus is to be on CNN that day. All right, go ahead. Uh, my name is Kerry Porch. I'm a satellite uplink technician. I'm a contractor at the CNN Washington, D.C. Bureau. But Jeff Zucker, yeah, basically president of CNN, has a personal vendetta against Trump. It's not going to be positive for Trump. He hates it. He's going to be negative. Uh, I decided to wear a hidden camera. <laughs> I decided to secretly record the 9 a.m. rundown call meetings, and it's basically run by Jeff Zucker, the president of CNN.
came to work at CNN, I mean, it was my dream job. And that dream actually just turned into a nightmare. So I, I must say, Fox News, fake news, and a propaganda machine. And with what I saw, I'm like, that's pretty much what CNN was. Like, it's just pumping out propaganda. Uh, the, the, the fake conspiracy nonsense that uh, Fox has spread for years uh, is now deeply embedded in American society. Uh, and frankly, that is uh, destructive to America. And I do not think we should be uh, scared to, to say so. I just want them to own where they're at. Like, hey, if we if we lean left, cool. Let's just say we lean left. If we lean right, let it be known. But I, again, it just dovetails back into that thing. I just want people to have the information to make up their own minds. He's known Trump for a long time. Like they worked together back during The Apprentice. And hates his guts. Let's start the. Uh, All right, let's stop time. there. Impeachment. That voice, the voice you heard in the background. Jeff Sucker pushing impeachment. Impeach. I don't care what MSNBC is doing. Impeachment. I don't care about the gun control. Impeachment. Push impeachment. This is why these hosts conduct themselves the way they do, ladies and gentlemen. They're believers. They're true believers of the left. But Jeff Motherzucker is the Svengali behind the scenes. Hey, behind the scenes, who said impeachment? We got to pursue impeachment. You guys who are friendly with Lindsey Graham, cut it out. Cut it out. No more Lindsey Graham. You need to confront Lindsey Graham. Confront him. Impeachment. Jake Tapper, you know more an independent journalist than somebody writing at the National Enquirer. Don Lemon, you're a left-wing comedy show. Fredo, Cuomo, you're a joke too. All of them are taking their orders from Jeff Motherzucker. It's a mighty powerful operation over there. That's Time Warner, which is owned by AT&T, as I understand it. That's very powerful. And for this young man to come forward, Gary Porch, P-O-A-R-C-H, he's a true whistleblower. You see his face, you hear his voice, And he's on the record. That's a whistleblower. Not this fraud and this coward, this CIA operative, who's purposely being hidden by his left-wing lawyers and the left-wing goons and thugs who call themselves Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee staff and the House Intelligence Committee. This is a real whistleblower who puts everything on the line. And one of the people you hear, the one that comes across more clearly, is Nick Neville. He's the media coordinator at CNN. And he's saying, yeah, you know, Zucker really hates Trump. You know, he's really driving this and so forth. That's their media coordinator. So what you've been hearing and seeing with your own two eyes is, in fact, CNN. CNN, which is not a free press operation. And so the question becomes... Where do you draw the line 
between corporate campaign contributions, which is essentially what CNN is doing, and free speech and freedom of the press. At Fox News, you really do have a, a, have a jumble of people on there. When you look at their newsroom and their opinion folks, don't give me Shep and all the rest of it. I'm saying when you really look at it and the various guests that come on there and so forth, CNN is an ideological monopoly like MSNBC. But CNN even more pretends to be a news operation. Controls all the airport uh, monitors. Cut 10, go. On the calls are the top leadership of the network, Zucker, CNN's president, Virginia Mosley, CNN's senior vice president of news gathering. There's a um, second whistleblower, um, and that this now fortifies the complaint. And David Chalian, vice president and CNN political director. I, I think as big of a story as what President Trump has done here is the Republican sort of on the calls to executive producers and news staffers across the country, it is clear that Zucker wants his network to stay focused on impeachment and nothing else. Guns will be the central topic in the 2020 Democratic yep. nomination race today. Uh, the Giffords pack is paired up with MSNBC. They've got a There's new developments every day. More shoes drop, and it's like there's just nothing we can do. If Zucker wants impeachment every single day to be the top story. So, yeah, he wants impeachment. So above all else, I'm above all else. You know, I totally understand that most, if not all, the people I work with will never want to speak to me again, or possibly have, you know, negative motivations after the fact. Like I get that. I get where they're coming from. But I always respect the people that I worked with. They were amazing at their job, and many of them felt the same way. They just felt trapped that they couldn't say it. Nick Neville is a media coordinator in CNN's Washington bureau. He says not everyone at the network agrees with Zucker's anti-Trump agenda. Yeah, because what's difficult is like you have some conflicting um, things at play here. Like there's a lot of people who are out here trying to like just do what they think is like the best of journalistic integrity and then you get on the 9am call and big boss Jeff Zucker tells you what to do and it's like you have to like to a certain extent you have to follow his verdict yeah you gotta go with the downhill so you gotta go with, with, with the boss there yeah. and he's not uh well he's big uh he i mean he's he's like had an ongoing feud with trump it's no surprise yeah yeah, yeah. He's had an ongoing feud with trump since the apprentice in 2004 jeff sucker was one of the executive producers at nbc entertainment that greenlighted and produced the apprentice a show that turned donald trump from real estate tycoon to a mega star Many say the shows and Trump's success helped Zucker rise to the top at NBC. And then, according to Neville and others, Zucker, as the president of CNN, helped Trump become the mega candidate. He's known Trump for a long time. Like, they worked together back during The Apprentice. And hates his guts. I hate 
everything, how everything is like all Trump all the time now. Everyone at my, everyone at the network complains about it. They, they hate covering Trump every day. I'm just surprised CNN hasn't been able to take down Trump yet. I was just like, I was like, I mean, I mean, I feel like they're trying, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, what could they do more? I mean, other than what they've been doing. But to a certain extent, CNN created uh, created Trump's celebrity. Like created this whole like not his celebrity, but created his candidacy, made him legitimate because they they felt like they needed to show everything that he did from the beginning. So like Jeff Zucker can't really complain. Like he kind of put this in action. I mean, why would they do that? Though, truly, I don't get it. Ratings, yeah. and, and that's sometimes what I what I struggle with. Like a lot of the decisions. I guess all media companies make, but it's like, you know, they're out to make a profit. So when people criticize, you know, the media, to a certain extent, some of the criticism is accurate because it can't totally be, um, like, completely for the objectives that you're seeking. Like, you know, I totally want to do just, like, the truth, like the dog in reporting. But then you have higher-up executives like Zucker and other people who are, who are saying, well, we got to make profits, so you end up with things like, I don't know if you heard this, but this week they had, like, a game show <laughs> to, like, decide what dates there, there was going to be this debate. So it's like they pulled names out of a hat. It's like we're watching the Game Show Network. So it turns into, like, <laughs> certain things that you do are trying to just attract <laughs> viewers, and it becomes kind of a comedy show. So it's it's like... You know, you have people who are genuinely have all the right motives, but then you also have people who are like, well, we got to make money and we got to attract viewers. So if we just talk about Trump all day, people will watch. Amazing, isn't it, folks? That's exactly what's happening. But it's not by happenstance. It's by design. It's by strategy. They want to be the network that forces Trump out. They have no regard for you, no regard for the Constitution. No regard for any of it. I'll be right back. Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit Imprimus.Hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. You know, folks, there are many people out there doing many wonderful things. 
trying to defend this republic, trying to uh, expose those who are undermining it. And I try to give them all voice, as I am here, Project Veritas, as I do with various authors and so forth. They're all very, very important. And so it's very frustrating to me when I write a book like On Freedom of the Press, and so many of them ignore it, not you. And this is, this is nothing to do with ego. So many of them ignore it. And yet this book has laid out the foundation for everything you're hearing right now. I'm not saying it caused anybody to do anything. I'm saying they all reinforce the points in the book, and the book provides chapter and verse about what's taking place in the media today. It's been going on for decades, really, and why it's the case. And so when I hear this with Project Veritas, I say to myself, it's unbelievable. Not only what they're doing, but it is so in sync with what I've explained about the media and the fact that it's not a free press. You listen to Jeff Zucker and you listen to his people. They're telling you what's going on. I talk about these people being Democrats and progressives in the media. You now have one or two major hosts out there who call them Democrats in the media. That's in the first chapter of the book. The very first chapter. Because that's what they are. But even worse, they're ideologues. Not just Democrats, they're ideologues. They're part of the radical base of the Democrat Party. Now, we're not going to have enough time to play the other clips of this remarkable Project Veritas uh, uh, disclosure here. And there are, let me see, what do I have left here? I've got one, two, two left, right, Mr. Producer? And they're very good. So we'll play them after the top of the hour because I I don't want to cut them off in the middle. But this gives you a flavor for what's taking place in these newsrooms. And you know what's interesting? For all the talk about transparency from the media, they have no problem with what the Democrats are doing in their cover-up secret attacks on the president. Secret testimony. Like a Soviet system. And they have no problem with keeping their own activities in their newsrooms each and every morning secret from you. You can only imagine what goes on at the daily morning meetings at the New York Times and the Washington Post. You hear CNN, MSNBC. It's the same thing. Push this narrative. It's not get the objective truth. Find out why we can't get into these hearings. The American people ought to know something about impeachment. No, it's push impeachment. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. As we go through this third world banana republic Mickey Mouse phony Democrat impeachment process, where we the people are 
excluded from the process. The only people who are in control of the process are the Democrats, working shoulder to shoulder with their media and compatriots. Where Project Veritas has done, and James O'Keefe in particular, is very, very important. With a real whistleblower, Carrie Porch, P-O-A-R-C-H, or Poarch. This young man is a patriot. It's funny, we have a CIA operative who is a coward, hiding behind the Democrat Party, at least for now, until they feel it is propitious. To bring him forward for the great moment, the Blasey Ford moment, you know. But in the case of Carrie Poarch, he cares about our country, First Amendment, freedom of the press. And so I've played you two of our four clips from the audio that's been released and video that's been released by uh, Project Veritas and O'Keefe. And I want to play the remaining two. Now, in the background, you've heard Jeff Motherzucker, who runs CNN and is pushing the impeachment narrative every single day. Pushing it on his staff. Pushing it on the crew. You've also heard Nick Neville, media coordinator at CNN, telling you that uh, this is personal with Motherzucker. He hates Trump. And it's every day. Impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. And you're going to hear from others. Hiram Gonzalez is next, floor director. CNN's trying to show that it's on the right side of this. And they pretend to be news people. They're not news people. Anybody who is a host or anchor or so-called reporter at CNN has surrendered their profession. Such as it was in the first place. Cut 11, go. I think we're just trying every single way to show that we're in the light side. Yeah, because we want to be. We're the light side. <laughs> light and dark side. We're against the dark side. <laughs> I think whatever tools I have for disposal, I think that's what CNN is doing. Yeah. Media created this monster. Yeah, back in 2015, right? every single day. What he's saying there is the media created the monster and the media must destroy the monster. That's what he's saying. Of course, they didn't create anything, but they're definitely out to destroy the president. That's a fact. Go ahead. So what this is Jeffrey Zucker and what he's saying, it's a little hard to hear. He's done his last 26 interviews in cable news with Fox. He's obsessed with Fox. Mother Zucker is obsessed with Fox. And so it's time to seriously call out what's going on here. In other words, call out Lindsey Graham. Stop being his buddy. Go ahead. He's a, he's a sneaky business person. Not good, not savvy, just sneaky. Sneaky bully. Mike Brevna, a CNN floor manager, worked the overnight shift of the 2016 election at the D.C. Bureau. Man, what was it like the morning after this past election here in the Bureau? Oh, I, I came in that night. The night, the night of the day, the day after you came in that night? Yeah, yeah with the election, yeah, I came in like 10 or 11 o'clock that night. Okay. And we know, right, right around the time they called it. 
Oh, so you came in actually election day, election day. The, the night of that, as it was going into. Because yeah, I worked up over there. Oh, I see. Man, how was how was that? But um, <laughs> when I walked through the elevators and came through the doors, which they always do, I was on the side, left, and looked to the right. Look back to the left, there was someone sitting on the floor. And then I seen like movement of people, somebody coming out of A, somebody. And as I started walking towards this person, as I got closer, I could hear her sobbing. And I didn't, never really wanted to look who it was. And to this day, I don't even really know who it was. Because they were there like this. And they were sobbing. So then I, then I went into take a drums. It was like I was after I'm sorry? It was like you was at a funeral. Oh, at a funeral? Yes. I mean, I was, people were like in shock. I don't say they were in mourning. Let's say right. people were in shock. Do you think the people at CNN thought that uh, Trump was going to win the election? Nobody thought Trump was going to win, my, myself included. But that day, like, man, just at 6 a.m. in the morning when I came in, everyone was silent. Nobody wanted to talk. I, was, I just came in. I was like, oh, hi. I'm like... The mood was just so sourpuss the whole day. <laughs> I imagine. Yeah. I imagine. That was a dreary day inside of CNN. It was a dreary day. I bet at Fox it was like euphoria. Oh, yeah. Popping champagne. Yeah. The racism, we're coming back. Yeah. Assuming at that point, too, it was like, all right, well, let's put our heads together and see how to fix this somehow. Or, you know, let's start the... Anti-Trump crusade. Yeah, let's start the anti-Trump crusade. <laughs> this is why Kerry Porch became a Project Veritas insider. He saw CNN's anti-Trump crusade was about more than ratings. It was about taking sides. I think what's going on in America now is really fundamentally uh, the result of this is Zucker. Uh, Zucker sounds more like an angry tyrant than a network news president. Amazing. All the stories they used to do on Roger Ailes, they do almost no stories on Jeff Motherzucker. Isn't that amazing? And isn't it also amazing how Fox is under constant attack, you know? It's newsroom trying to separate itself from its opinion side. And they have to trash Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, and Laura Ingram. 
and anybody over there who doesn't fall in line behind Jeff Motherzucker. This is what the media have become today. Tyrannical. Monolithic. Ideological. Social activists. I've got one more clip I want to play for you when we return. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. We'll get into the Turk-Syria situation, Kurd situation, shortly. You know, in some ways this is a little frustrating for me because I spend all day, every day, and into the night, into the wee hours of the morning, Mr. Bedusa will tell you, prepping for this program. <clears throat> and, um, and tonight I'm playing these clips from uh, Project um, Veritas and James O'Keefe. I don't regret it because uh, they're absolutely crucial, and they did a spectacular job here. And this whistleblower, Carrie Poarch, deserves to be heard, because he's a real whistleblower, old-time whistleblower in that sense. Uh, but there's so much more I wanted to get to, but this is, this is very, very important. This is out of their own mouths, and that's why you need to hear it. You know, we had Laura Logan earlier this year, and she left CBS, and she explained why. You've had Cheryl Atkinson, who left CBS, and she explained why. You've had uh, others. Bernard Goldberg, I think he left CBS, too. But all these networks are the the same mindset and pack mentality. And it comes from the top. It comes from the top. All right, cut 12, our final cut. Go. According to Porch and others, the anti-Trump crusade at CNN is personal. (laughs) Which guys, like, hate Trump? Cooper's got it. Cooper hates him. I mean, Cooper's, like... Don Lemon hates him. I mean, Don Lemon, like, he's like... You know. However, Don Lemon comes on 
he makes you think he's objective news. I'm not trying to bash CNN. But Dude, I what, it's whatever, man. But he makes you think he's objective news, but he's blatantly opinionated. All right. So either disclose where you're coming from, or get someone who's a little bit more objective. John Lemon is, I mean, love him or hate him, he's blatantly like anti-Trump. He's blatantly left. So maybe Don Lemon could disclose that, but CNN makes it appear as though we have 24 hours of unbiased news. That's not true. Christian Sierra explained how CNN implements their political bias. It's like the ones who stick strict, strictly to news, and I can understand if you're tough, like um, maybe you're a little tough on the Democrats, it's okay, fine, whatever. Like MSNBC is tough on Republicans, and we're tough on Republicans too. So than the Democrats. We have our Democrat interviews are like softballs compared to Republicans. The Democrat uh, interviews are like softballs as opposed to the Republicans. We've pointed that out countless numbers of times. You just can't miss it. This is why I say don't bother with the Sunday shows unless you really want to watch Democrat TV, progressive TV. That's all they are. All of them. So called news shows, that is. Go ahead. You guys do do a lot of Republican interviews, actually, though. We do, right? So, which is good. We do, but every time, but if you notice, like every time we ask questions to Republicans, like it's always a little tougher than than we do to the Democrats. Why not just quit? Why take the risk of exposing the largest, arguably one of the most influential? news outlets, it's in airports, um, and, and especially with this news, I know that this is something that you've struggled with, you're about to have a family, and why not just quit? Why do this? I mean, it's, it's a fair question. I mean, and I, as we said earlier, I was about to quit, and I wrestled with the decision long and hard. I mean, you and I spoke for weeks before we kind of decided to do this. And it still it still scares me. Again, you said it in the in the question. I mean, this is exposing, pot, you know, most likely the biggest media conglomerate in the world. I, I lose sleep over it. But this is I decided I decided to wear the camera because I didn't see any other option because. I, I noticed that I was in a very unique position in space and time to just do something to protect the republic, to basically put everything in the sunshine that I could, let the cards fall where they may, and hopefully, again, just dovetail into letting us ha- at least have one more fra- fair and free election. A recent Gallup poll said only about 14% of the American people have a great deal of confidence in the U.S. media. As our insider exposed, that lack of confidence, at least in CNN, is justified. I just hope that uh, others in similar positions will take the mantle as we all have. You know, I mean, the Facebook uh, insider inspired me. My goal with this, aside from getting CNN to return to what its, great, its old greatness, is to inspire literally the dozens of people I've had this same conversation with, not only at CNN, but at different outlets. The Democratic Party Press, Chapter 3 of Unfreedom of the Press, the modern Democratic Party Press, or Democrats in the Press, if you will. And recall this guy, Will Ron. I told you about him before. He's in the book, November 11, 2016, shortly after the Trump victory. 
CBS News digital political correspondent. He said, the unbearable smugness of the press, the mood in the Washington press corps is bleak and deservedly so. It should come as a surprise, shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone that with a few exceptions, we were all tactically or explicitly with her, which has led to a certain anguish in the face of Donald Trump's victory. More than that, and more importantly, we also missed the story after having spent months mocking the people who had a better sense of what was going on. This is all symptomatic of modern journalism's great moral and intellectual failing. It's unbearable smugness. Trump knew what he was doing when he invited his crowds to jeer and hiss the reporters covering him. They hate us and have for some time. And can you blame them? Journalists love mocking Trump supporters. We diagnose them as racist in the way dark age clerics confuse medical problems with demonic possession. Journalists at our worst see ourselves as a priestly caste. We believe we not only have access to the indisputable facts, but also a greater truth, a system of beliefs divine from an advanced understanding of justice. This is all white lash, you see. Trump voters are racist and sexist, so there must be more racists and sexist than we realize. Journalists increasingly don't even believe in the possibility of reasoned disagreement. And as such, ascribe cynical motives to those who think about things a different way. As a result, we get it wrong with greater frequency. Out on the road, we forget to ask the right questions. We can't even imagine the right question. We go into assignments too certain that what we find will serve to justify our biases. Isn't that true? From Unfreedom of the Press, third chapter, the modern Democrat Party Press. The modern Democratic Party Press. All very apparent. And now, out of their own mouths, Jeff Sucker. It's incredible. It's incredible. Again, wouldn't it be wonderful if the light of truth could shine on all these newsrooms? The New York Times, what they're focused on, We know what they're focused on, but just to hear it from them. The only time they tell the truth is when they talk to each other. That is, not that they're truthful about what they're saying, but they tell the truth about what they believe and their objectives and their tactics. Get Trump. At any cost, at every cost, get Trump. Defend the Democrats. Defend the phony whistleblower. Defend the CIA. Defend the senior ranks of the FBI. Field their leaks. Write their headlines. Get Trump. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. 
This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. A champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. I have a math problem for you. When there were no treatments for cancer, how much did cancer treatment cost? Zero, right? Now, you're a smart audience. Today, there are hundreds of cancer treatment drugs because billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars, were invested to develop them. But Nancy Pelosi doesn't seem to understand that, and now she wants to tax the drugs that you need. Her plan would allow the government to tell pharmaceutical companies what they can charge for their drugs or face an escalating tax starting at 65%, going up to 95%. And guess what? Last week, presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg introduced a nearly identical plan. Like Nancy Pelosi, small-town Pete loves big-time taxes. Here's another quiz. What happens when you tax a company at 95%? Correct. They go broke. Now, we need these investments to create tomorrow's cutting-edge drugs. Otherwise, those investments will go to zero. How does that help patients? who need life-saving treatments. Folks, get the facts. Go to TrueHealthCareFacts.com, TrueHealthCareFacts.com. That's TrueHealthCareFacts.com. Our buddy Moses, North Bergen, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Mark, great to talk to you again, my friend. Thank you so much for taking my call. Thank you, Moses. All right. So, Mark, I really, you need to give yourself a pat on the back, Mark, because I actually went back and heard your show from the day after the day after President Trump got elected. And you it's scary how right you were. I think you'll even be surprised at how right you were if you hear it yourself again. And it's not just about the attacks of the left. It's also the inaction of the right. And especially after James O'Keefe today, these Republicans, you know, and the president, this is a messaging war. You know, these Republicans, when, these, when they go on these shows, they have to actually realize, you know what, they have to stop having interviews and start having debates with all these people of the Democratic Party left and also the media. You know, they need to be challenged. Their roles have to be tested. Their opinions need to be exposed, you know, just like what James O'Keefe is doing. You know, the president needs to make that White House press briefing room into a debate stage with some of the best spokespersons from his agencies disproving all the lies and all the false narratives on a daily basis from the left, Mark. You know, just, that's just one of the things that I observe. Yeah. Well, you're very good, Moses. Tell everybody how old you are. I'm 34 years old. Yeah. And you're not a politician. Not at all. I actually started following politics after President Trump got elected because I really wanted to understand how he got elected. And the success of President Trump, in my opinion, is because of the failure of the modern-day establishment politician. These people are in fear on both sides of the aisle, I think, of him succeeding, that an outsider 
like President Trump can succeed in a matter of years where they have failed in a matter of decades. Very well put, Moses. Thank you, buddy. You take care of yourself. Josh, Chicago, Illinois, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Josh, go. Hey, Mark. Sorry about that. I had I had mute hit temporarily. Boy, you had one-tenth of a second there. Go right ahead. <laughs> so uh, a friend recently bought me a copy of your book on freedom of the press uh, a couple months ago, and I've got to say it, it honestly really opened my eyes to the concept of the political party press and the way the mainstream media really skews reality to justify and fuel a narrative. And I've got to say well, I really appreciate how you use primary sources in the Constitution to discuss what's going on. But he wanted to make an observation. So, I would, and I know you, you you talk about not watching the Sunday shows, but I often watch them just to see how the administration and Republican congressmen defend Trump. And I've noticed in the last couple of weeks that the media is stuck on one question, and that is whether whatever President Trump did was appropriate. And the the question on face value really bothers me because the the term appropriate is entirely subjective with absolutely no legal basis, in my opinion. I really want to hear your thoughts about that, because I think this is an excellent example of the political party press branding at work. I don't have a problem with what the president said. I played it on my Fox show, or read it word for word on my Fox show. I read the entire transcript virtually uh, when it was first released. He didn't say dig up dirt on Biden. He was talking mostly about Biden's son. He was talking about what Biden had said publicly. So there was no classified information, no secret information. He asked that they look into it because there's a lot of questions about it. He's talking to the head of state in Ukraine. Meanwhile, he has his attorney general or his attorney general on his own decided to investigate what's going on in Ukraine and Russia and so forth starting in 2016. I don't see how any of this is inappropriate. I don't have a problem with any of it, nor did he tie it to any kind of aid, including military aid. Reading is fundamental. And if you read the transcript, there are no issues there. To quote uh, the uh, Mueller report, he, he, the, the, the transcript ex- is exonerating. So there was no tie uh, for anything. The word do us a favor, those words had to do with the 2016 investigation that Barr is involved in. As, in terms of his private attorney, Giuliani, he can have his private attorney look into these matters. And there's a reason why. The intelligence agencies are trying to sink this president. The head of the FBI, that enterprise, is trying to sink this president. So he can't really trust them. So he's asking his private attorney to have a discussion with these people. I have no problem with that either. There's no prohibition against any of this. So I don't have a problem with what the president said. I did not find it inappropriate. I understand The Rockettes in the media, including so-called conservatives and Republicans, feel that they have to say, look, I wouldn't have said it. It's not appropriate. But no, but president said what he said, and there's not a problem with it as far as I'm concerned. It's public information. It's already out there. The New York Times did a story on it. Peter Schweizer wrote a book about it. There have been other little stories about it. President says, do you mind looking into this sort of thing? People have questions. He didn't say investigate Biden. None of that stuff. And here's the thing. The president had no reason to believe that this conversation would be made public. So if he really wanted to put the shoulder on this president, he would have put the shoulder on this president. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. That's my response to you, Josh. I greatly appreciate that. I completely agree with you. Thank you so much. And, if the, and you're right. 
if the Republicans and the conservatives would start to push back on this narrative and say there's no well, he's he wanted them to investigate an opponent in the election. Right. Isn't that what they're saying? The answer to that is no. He, <clears throat> excuse me. He wanted him to look into it, whether that's an investigation or not. Who knows? But just because somebody's running for office doesn't mean they're immune. Nobody's above the law. I mean, these are people who have unleashed investigations against the president of the United States who's in office, who's running for re-election. They don't have a damn problem with it. They're trying to impeach the guy. Is that not interfering with the election? With bogus allegations in secret, secret testimony. Talk about interfering in an election. And then Joe Biden announces he wants him impeached. Again, talk about interfering with an election. This whole damn thing is intended to interfere with the 2020 election. Why don't they say it? All right, Josh. Yeah, I think your response is spot on, and it really bothers me that the that the Democrats are currently attempting to set a precedent that uh, a, a crime can be committed on their side, but it cannot be investigated. It's a huge concern. And uh, and and you know, people have made the point. I mean, what if the shoe were on the other foot, and this was all about Trump and not about the Bidens? You know, damn well what would take place. They were trying to hang Don Jr. because he went to a meeting where nothing occurred. He went to a meeting, and, and same with a couple of the others. Jared, they go to a meeting, nothing actually happened. Well, you know what? Uh, the dots are lining up here for indictments, and, uh, you know, and you shouldn't have been meeting with them in the first place, and on and on and on. All the standards are changed. All the standards are changed. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. Let's continue. Bruce. Los Angeles, California, 870, the answer. The great KRLA, go. Mark, you're awesome. I've been listening to you for I don't know how many years, and every day I try to tune you in. Thank I you. served as a whistleblower under the False Claims Act in the United States District Court. All right, slow down. We had a hiccup. You were a whistleblower. I, I served as a – I filed and, and was a whistleblower in the United States District Court, Ninth Circuit, and the United States Supreme Court over a 12-year period. So you filed a key TAM action? That's correct. Okay, I know what those are. Go ahead. Yeah, they're they're rare in comparison to other other cases, but that goes back to eighth century, thirteenth century English law under Magna Carta, and it's uh, he as well as for himself shall sue in this matter, bring it for the, to the king. And they were now, particularly important during the Civil War because uh, there was a lot of graft going on, and Abraham Lincoln encouraged them to have citizens bring. Uh, cases. But anyway, go ahead. You are a whistleblower. Right. So whistleblower requires that you be first hand have first hand information. Yeah. You can't have hearsay or very second hand. Two, the case is filed under seal for the US attorney and attorney general to uh, look at it and decide if they want to prosecute or if they stay as a real party in interest and allow the case to proceed if it if it does proceed through the court on its merits. Um in my case, uh, there was um, uh, amicus briefs filed by the U.S. attorneys. Uh, it went on for a long time. There were m- many battles over several Well, issues. they filed for with you or against you? They filed with me. All right. Uh, and ultimately, the case was dismissed after several years, uh, going to the Ninth Circuit several times and coming back for not being ripe at different issues uh, in the case. But it was, dismi- it was dismissed and it was upheld to the Supreme Court on a collateral case in New York uh, under the same issue as that a case which, which was the Ninth Circuit had ruled that you could file 
a key to have quid tam action in pro per pro se without a lawyer. Uh, and right, we're losing under- the audience. So what is your point? So the point is, is that everything that I've heard from the press, that person one doesn't qualify as a whistleblower, and two. Uh, for the uh, Republicans in the Congress to be excluded in this lacks due process, and in my readings, legal readings over the years, any decisions that are made where due process is not served is invalid. So if it's predetermined and there's no due process, because well, this is this a little different. It's impeachment. <clears throat> it's not litigation. But even so, uh, it was understood in past impeachment processes, and this is what I want the American public to understand. There's always been due process. Uh, The one party has always been over backwards for the other party because the goal here is to persuade the body politic, that is the American people and these various institutions, that what the House is undertaking, uh, they're undertaking with confidence that the public will support them. That's not what's happening here. Everything's being done in secret. And even now if they decide, well, we're going to make this public and this public, this has gone on a long time now. And they're in a sprint, and they're trying to get this done, timing it for political purposes. They want a Senate trial while the general election is going on. This is what they want, or as close to the Republican nomination as possible. That's what's going on here. This is all about politics, not the Constitution. All right, Bruce, thanks for coming forward, my friend, and giving us your story. We'll be right back. Lovin. You wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. We'll get to Syria, the Kurds, Turkey in the third hour. You know, I talk about Hillsdale College a lot because it's a gem. It's the, it's the North Star of colleges and universities. I talk about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum and its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked many times about their terrific president, dear friend of mine, one of the finest people I know, Hillsdale's president, Dr. Larry Arn. And he explains that these four purposes, 
learning, character, faith, and freedom remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. He says freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat. So its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. Well, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. Now, I was on that site last night, and I really want you to check it out. I particularly want you to click the link to their brand new graduate school, the Van Andel Graduate School. It is fabulous. The video is fabulous, so you see what this college is doing. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. It is invigorating. Watch the video, levinforhillsdale.com. Look at their brand new graduate school <clears throat> in Washington, D.C. Look what they're teaching these people. We always say, what can we do? What can we do? Take a look. That's all they want you to do. Participate. Take a look. I have a little surprise for them in a month or so, but I'm not going to announce it here. Already made a decision. Anyway, that's for another day. Let's see here. Neil, Las Vegas, Nevada. The great Kadon. K-D-W-N. Go. Mark, it's great. I uh, appreciate you putting me on. Yes, sir. Um, Privileges and immunities, equal protection, due process, 14th Amendment. Mm-hmm. President is entitled to the same protections as everybody else. Well, now, let's be accurate about this. Impeachment is different. In a court of law, he is. But the 14th Amendment doesn't really apply to impeachment. Impeachment came before the 14th Amendment. The clause is in the original Constitution. That said... Obviously, it should be conferred on a president. That is due process, the right to cross-examine, the right to call witnesses, the right, the right to confront your accusers and this sort of thing, especially when it's the president of the United States, because he and the vice president are the only individuals elected nationwide. It's a four-year term. He's got a year left on his term, give or take. And they're trying to remove him before that term ends, even though the election's coming up. History is going to be very, very harsh on these Democrats and the media for what they're doing in denying this president the ability to do what past presidents have been able to do under the same circumstances, that this is being pushed by one party, not a bipartisan effort in the least, that the media, they're going to be listening to this O'Keefe video, watching the, uh, uh, watching the uh, video, listening to the audio for decades to come, And this will be viewed as the most outrageous effort to turn our constitutional system inside out since the Civil War. I think you're right in that regard. Mark, this is the biggest outrage, I think, in the history of our country. You have defective articles of impeachment. We don't have articles yet, but they're working on it. You know, the president has the right to confront his accuser. I agree with that. 
It's an absolute outrage. Hopefully the public can... But what about the public's right? They're taking all this testimony in secret. What's that all about? It's, I mean, as an individual citizen, I feel like our civil liberties are being violated by the acts of Congress. Furthermore, allow me to just proceed a little bit. Um, We have three co-equal branches of government. Congress cannot overstep their boundaries, all right? You're right, and and nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about that, Neil, but me, and they are, and they have overstepped, and the President of the United States is not required to participate. Constitution doesn't say he must comply, and under these circumstances, where there's absolutely no effort at fairness, I wouldn't reply either. Thanks for your call, Neil. We'll be right back. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Isn't it interesting, this Project Veritas and their various video and audio of CNN, how much you want to bet it's ignored other than to attack James O'Keefe? That is, by the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, certainly by the Constipated News Network and MSLSD. They'll pretend it never happened. Just never happened. They won't explain themselves. They won't feel they have to defend themselves. Why bother? It's just the right wingers, you know. Just the right wingers. Statement from the president today regarding Turkey's actions in northeast Syria. The United States immediately stopped negotiations being led by the Department of Commerce with respect to a $100 billion trade deal with Turkey. And he's going to put enormous sanctions in place. The United States is to impose powerful additional sanctions on those who may be involved in serious human rights abuses, obstructing a ceasefire, preventing displaced persons from returning home, forcibly repatriating refugees, or threatening the peace, security, or stability in Syria. The order will authorize a broad range of consequences, including financial sanctions, the blocking of property, and barring entry into the United States. Trump administration has worked tirelessly to preserve the safety and security of the United States and its citizens. The United States and our partners have liberated 100% of ISIS's ruthless territorial caliphate. Turkey must not put these gains in jeopardy. Turkey must also prioritize the protection of civilians, particularly vulnerable ethnic and religious minorities in northeast Syria, indiscriminate targeting of civilians, destruction of civilian infrastructure, targeting of ethnic or religious minorities is unacceptable. Additionally, the president says the return of refugees must be conducted in a safe, voluntary, and dignified manner, and it goes on. Now, frankly, all this was predictable. Not because somebody like me predicted it, because we knew what the Turks wanted to do. They weren't very secret about it. And so now we have this situation, but I am glad that the president is going to unleash, hopefully, very, very strong economic attacks on Turkey. Now, 
For those who have considered themselves conservatives or populists or nationalists or whatever they call themselves these days, including backbenchers in my business and on TV, those who said this is none of our business, what's the problem? I assume they will oppose all sanctions against Turkey because after all, they'll tell us, Turkey is an ally. We have an actual written agreement with them. They're part of NATO. So why would we put sanctions, crushing economic sanctions, on the Turkish government? See, their arguments, folks, never made any sense. And they don't make any sense today. Unless you follow them out to their logical end. This is none of our business. Why would we get involved even economically? What's the problem? Well, it's a big problem. And now Syria and Russia are gearing up for a potential battle with Turkey, which raises the next question. If Turkey finds itself at war with Syria, and indirectly perhaps Russia, as a NATO partner, what are we going to do about it? All these people saying it's none of our business, it's not a big deal, and you know we owe nothing to the Kurds, and uh, it's 7,000 miles away, and after all, what are we going to do, go to war with our, our NATO ally, making these outrageous arguments? Well, what are we going to do? Syria is now gearing up to take on Turkey, and Russia is backing Syria. Turkey's part of NATO. What are we going to do? Well, we'll just stay out of it, Mark. But wait a minute. We have an agreement with Turkey. Isn't that what they keep telling us? We have an agreement with Turkey to help protect Turkey if Turkey comes under attack. Meanwhile, the Kurds looking for survival can't find them with the United States. So they they, uh, have decided a backup plan. So they went to Assad and the Russians and said, can you help protect us? We'll fight alongside you. I mean, a common common enemy is a common enemy. And they said, yes, of course. Yes, of course. And you can hardly blame the Kurds. They want to survive. They want to live. We had some strange alliances. Look at World War II with one of the greatest mass murderers in history, Stalin. But we needed to defeat the Axis powers. So now what? Their arguments make no sense, do they? No, they don't. They don't make any sense. 7,000 miles away, and I want to remind you that Osama bin Laden was 7,000 miles away, give or take. And yet they struck us. Iran's 7,000 miles away, give or take. Yet they want to build ICBMs with nuclear warheads to reach us. 7,000 miles away. I don't know of any major war that started in Idaho. Or New Jersey. Putting aside the Civil War, obviously. I'm not aware of any major world war that started in the continental United States. They all start over there somewhere. 
and yet they ultimately have consequences for us. So distance is not relevant, particularly in the age of modern technology, particularly since terrorists hit us and organized 7,000 miles away and killed 3,000 of our citizens. I think we remember 9-11, don't we? Far away? What, they have to be in Camden, New Jersey? Peoria, Illinois? Martha's Vineyard? They're not going to be there. I mean, they're here, but in terms of a, a, a planned, strategic war effort, it's always going to be over there, as opposed to these one-off situations. So now if Turkey is attacked by Syria, backed by Russia, ask these cold pink Republicans, these Bernie Sanders Republicans, ask them what they think we should do. Because now we actually have a treaty, an arrangement, excuse me, with Turkey. Should we come to Turkey's defense? Of course not, we shouldn't. Because Turkey is the provocateur. The, 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 the provocateur, the Turkey provoked this. Provocateur. So no. And Turkey is led by this Islamist. Who I've talked about over and over and over again. He's not really an ally of ours. The problem is Turkey geographically is too important just to throw out a NATO. And you have to hope at some point... Aragon will be thrown out or over, you know, overthrown, uh, even though he's crushed what's left of the democracy over there that was set up by Ataturk. So I'm glad that we are planning on putting very, very powerful sanctions on Turkey. I understand Congress is working on additional powerful sanctions. We ought to do that. But this all plays into the hands of Iran. All plays into the hands of Iran, because Iran is really an ally of Syria. Russia really doesn't have any problems with Iran. And now we have a NATO ally, stupid as it is, that is perhaps involved in some kind of conflict with those countries. Time will tell. Because we withdrew 50 to 100 troops. They were going to attack anyway. No, they weren't. But now the genie's out of the bottle. You got to hold commentators to account for what their positions have been. You really do. I'll be right back. Lovin. So I'm on the NATO website, nato.intel, I-N-T, international. And it says 10 things you need to know about NATO. And at the very first one, collective defense, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization was founded in 1949 and is a group of 29 countries from Europe and North America that exist to protect the people and territory of its members. The alliance is founded on the principle of collective defense, meaning that if one NATO ally is attacked, then all NATO allies are attacked. For example, when terrorists attacked the United States on 9-11-2001, 
All NATO allies stood with America as though they had all been attacked. No, I think if that's the case, according to NATO's own website, if Turkey is attacked by Syria with the backing of Russia or Iran as a result of this offensive against the Kurds, and really it's an offensive against Syria too, quite frankly, they're trying to occupy the northern part of Syria, they call it a buffer zone. Um... According to those who said that we should withdraw 50 to 100 troops, we're, obl- we're obligated by the NATO deal, right? That's what they said. Unlike the Kurds, we don't have a deal with them. We don't have any arrangement, a treaty, or anything of the sort. With Turkey, we do. It's what they said. It's one of the brilliant columnists wrote. Okay, now what about that deal? NATO says if one's attacked, we're all attacked. What about that deal? Mitch, Odessa, Texas, the great K-W-E-L. Go. Good evening, Mr. Levin. It's a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you. In my opinion, I think what Trump is saying is an old biker's saying. I have your back, but not your mouth. Okay, that has nothing to do with my question. My question is, under the NATO agreement, you attack one, you attack all. Should we come to Turkey's defense if they're attacked? No, because they're the ones who did the attack. Just because they turn around and get their bush, their butt, you know, handed to them in return, doesn't mean that we not now have to come and uh, save them. You know, and now if it was the other way around, where suddenly Syria just came across their borders, then yes. All right, so we got to use common sense. You're saying exactly. All right, my you know, friend. I appreciate it. Mike, Williamsport, Pennsylvania, the great WRAK. Go. Hey, Mark, I had a similar thought. Invoking Article 5, when a country has crossed sovereign boundaries boundaries of another country to attack them, I really have a hard time defending a country, although Turkey is quite a conundrum because, I mean, we have assets there like Inter, like Air Force Base. Right. We have many, many other long-term relationships and remember what happened in the first iraq war well i was thinking of world war one as well well let's go to the first iraq war modern history they wouldn't let us use their bases or their airspace remember that yeah yeah and and there were so many other issues we had to deal with but i mean we had options with ocean going vessels so but it, it took a lot of work to work around that now let me ask you what about that they're part of NATO. You attack one, you attack all 29 countries. Now, they haven't been part of NATO a very long time. Is that correct? I don't, no, they've been a while, more in, more in recent times. But what does that have to do with anything? Well, I just think uh, we had this conversation, I thought, in the 90s when we were adding them to NATO. I could be wrong. Okay, but, but a deal's a deal, whether it's 20 years, 5 years, 300 years. I was told... We were all told over the last several days that the difference between an alliance with the Kurds is we don't have any arrangement, as opposed to Turkey, where we're part of NATO, among other things. Okay, now look at the position the bastards have put us in. It's a conundrum, indeed. It's not a conundrum. You've got to deal with it. Well, yes, you do. Hey, may I ask one other question with something yes, very sir. interesting? Yes. This thing with O'Keefe 
I would love to hear him talk about the seven times that he has been sued and won all seven times in spite of the fact that everybody says he does things so dirty on the on You know what? They, they're trying to bankrupt him and trying to threaten him and trying to dissuade him. He's, he's quite an individual. I'm, I've got enormous respect for him. And look how they treat him. They pretend he doesn't even exist. This expose on CNN is a killer to any objective person who hears this. Jeffrey Motherzucker has destroyed himself. So how do you explain that to Time Warner and AT&T, who we all subsidize? They can't go on this way. It won't. No, I agree. can't go on. All right, buddy. Thank you for your call. I agree with you. All right. Let's go to... It's not a matter if you agree with the president. People are... Why is it when I ask a question, it's whether you agree or disagree with the president? Danny, you're, not, you're a colonel retired. I didn't ask you if you agree with the president. We have a deal with NATO. What should we do now? Uh, we should let Turkey do what the Turkey is doing. Good evening, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we should do what they're doing. And if they overstep the boundaries of what was agreed, probably in private or in, or in papers. <clears throat> well, I we read you the board. president's statement. Obviously, they overstepped their boundaries. They probably did, uh, and we should probably discuss it. But this is a NATO. This is our ally. I was. I, I said if if they're attacked by the Syrians, backed by the Russians, under the NATO agreement, you attack one, you attack twenty nine. Yep. What do we do? We're helping them already. We'll help them with AWACS. We'll help them with support. They do not need our military. I didn't support. ask you what they need. I ask you what do we do. We help them as we are with uh, support, but we No, don't. we shouldn't help them at all. No, we do have to help them. No, uh, I don't uh, think we have to help them at all. Yeah, we disagree on that one, but... Uh, yeah, I guess so. Why. Where are you from, because, by the way? Uh, originally Yugoslavia. Okay. What used to be Yugoslavia. And right. spent 27 years in U.S. Army. I'm a surgeon by, right. by trade, by the way. I think you <laughs> called once before. I could be wrong, though. Hmm? Did you call once before? Yeah, I did once before, and uh, years ago, absolutely years ago. And you're an intellectual genius. You really are. No, I'm not. Every one of your books, I have one. Everyone, you're really the intellectual peak of uh, talk radio, and obviously analysis other than talk radio. Well, you're very kind. And On this one, just a friendly disagreement. My view is this: if you go to war and then expect us to have your back. And there's a reaction to what you're doing, invading another country. That's your problem. The point in NATO is to defend another country from an attack, an unprovoked attack on another country. That's part of this arrangement. If you're going to be so provocative as the Turks are here, trying to blow out the Kurds and then invading actually deeper into Syria where you draw the attention of the Russians and the Syrians, I don't feel that's our obligation at all. That's just my view, Danny. Thank you for your call. We'll be right back. Mark Luffin, an unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. Now, here's something interesting. There's over 2 million burglaries reported every year. 
That's one every 13 seconds. What's crazy, only one in five homes has home security. And I bet that's because it's very expensive and complicated. At least most companies make it that way. But that's why Simply Safe is transforming home security by breaking down those barriers to make it easy and to get you the best, most reliable and comprehensive protection available anywhere. Simply Safe protects every door, window, and room with 24-7 professional monitoring. Their police dispatch is up to 3.5 times faster because they use video verification. And Simply Safe has no contracts or hidden fees. The system is designed to blend right into your home. No wires, no drilling. It's easy to order, easy to set up, usually in under an hour. Usually in under an hour. Plus, prices are always fair and honest. Around-the-clock monitoring is just $15 a month. Visit simplysafemark.com to get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Folks, you've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to Simply Safe Mark. Got to use my name to get the deal. SimplySafeMark.com so they know I sent you. That's SimplySafeMark.com. Sam, Lexington, South Carolina, the great WVOC. Go. Hey, Mark. Thanks for taking my car. I Thank just wanted you, sir. to say you're correct with the uh, Turkey invading them and everything. I don't think they should be doing that. And if they do get NATO involved and with the rest of NATO, I, I did like 20 years in the service, and I was stationed in Berlin. I, I know NATO is really a tight group. If it hits one, it hits all of us. So if they're going to put us in that situation and they started it, then they need to re, re look at that and make sure that they don't uh, put us in a war that we don't need to be in. Yeah, I, I think I think as uh, I said and some of the other callers said, Sorry, Turkey, you actually started this one, and that's not what we signed up for. Uh, but it may not be that easy. I don't know, but I, I, I don't see NATO uh, joining in with Turkey. But, look, stranger things have happened. Well, I'm, like I said, if we have a commitment, our mistake was not making a commitment with the Kurds and standing with them or having something, in, I guess, binding that would make us do what we're supposed to do because anybody that helps the United States – helps the world. And that's that, what I, it, it, I, I'm with you, and you're a vet, and it, it really bothers me what we did to the Kurds. It really, really bothers People can put all their little legal niceties aside and all their clever arguments aside. I don't know about you, but if some guy stands next to me, and we're duking it out with other guys, and he and I are left standing, and then all of a sudden they say, you know, we just want the guy next to you. I'm not going to say, okay, this isn't my fight. We gotta to stand together because divided we will fall. And, and loyalty means something. Exactly. I've been. Uh, I'm very blessed. I got 22 years in law enforcement. I got the 20 years in service. Wow. I'm getting ready to retire soon. So all I can say is, uh, I just want to let you know, you want the fr- this book of yours, this uh, Unfreedom of the Press. That's the first time I bought a book in a long time, and I'm I'm thank reading you. it, starting to read more of it, and I just wanted to say thank you. I'm I'm looking for the Men in Black though. So um, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, we'll find one. There are not a lot of them out there right now. Don't hang up. And I want to thank you for your service. Richie, get the gentleman's address. And if we don't have a men in black in the office there, I'll give you one of mine. Okay. Just let me know. All right. Don't hang up, Sam. And thank you, buddy. 
John, Summers Point, New Jersey, the great WPG, the Atlantic City area, which I'm very, very familiar with, which I love, as a matter of fact. Go right ahead. Uh, thanks for letting me call in. Um, yeah, I don't believe we should get involved uh, sending our young men or women and or women over. Um, Turkey did transfer. Well, you know, most people who fight wars are young. So the question is, with this NATO agreement, what do you think we should do? Well, for one, let's match it against our Constitution. There's a five-step constitutional process. All right, so to listen, to me, listen to me. We have a treaty. That means Congress adopted this treaty by a supermajority in the Senate, that is. This isn't five steps going to war. This is a treaty that already exists that can be triggered. So I'm asking you, do you think we should defend Turkey if they're attacked or say, hey, you started it, you're on your own? No, we shouldn't go. Uh, look at I, I agree with you, by the way. All right, thanks. All right, take care. I agree with him. I agree with him. They brought this on themselves. And uh, it's not like they're being attacked. It's like they're the ones doing the attacking. They're moving into Syria much more deeply than they were supposed to be moving into Syria, ladies and gentlemen. And they're blowing up everything in their way. So that's not what NATO is supposed to be about, but still, NATO is NATO. And I'm just pointing out the hypocrisy of those who just a few days ago or last week, whenever it was, were going on, well, we have an arrangement with the Turks. You know, they're our ally. We don't have that, you know, with the Kurds. Let's go to David, Allentown, Pennsylvania, Sirius Satellite. Go. Hello, sir. Yeah, listen, we don't have a treaty with Turkey. That treaty, the NATO treaty, talks about if a country is attacked. Syria is not attacking Turkey. They are counterattacking. Oh, well, that's fine. That's fine, but I don't think it works that way. I don't disagree with you in the end. We just got to figure out a different rationale. Uh, I I, I don't want to come to Turkey's defense. They started this. Right, absolutely. I agree. My big problem with what, what occurred, and I agree with you, I don't think we should have left the Kurds, but it sounds like, based on the news reports, that the Kurds were never told what the president was going to do. If, Pentagon, if the Pentagon was surprised at it, then my guess is that the Kurds were never told. No, they weren't. So, yeah, I mean, that, that to me is the biggest... I mean, if you're going to pull out, that's fine. If that's, if that's his decision, that's his decision. They, they weren't even prepared. They couldn't even get the hell out of town. That's what I mean. You know, you don't leave anybody... I mean, if, they, if they've helped you, at least give them the respect that to say, listen, this is what's happening and this is what we can offer or this is how we can help you out. But just to leave them in the lurch, that to me was, was, was just a huge, huge disappointment with this guy. With how's, Al- how's Allentown doing these days? Nice. It's, uh, getting, I mean, it's getting big. It's getting overgrown. Uh, there's a lot of house farms that are cropping up. Um, you know, I moved out from Philadelphia, and it's, it, it, you know, it's... I could tell you uh, I have a Philly accent. I'm from Philadelphia. Where'd you move from? Uh, northeast Philadelphia. I grew up uh, a couple blocks from Northeast High School. Okay, I grew up in Cheltenham, right next door. Yeah, not that far. Not that no, far no, at all. Not that far. Listen, I appreciate every. I appreciate everything you do. You are you are awesome. You and the handful of people on the Patriot Channel, you're, you're, you guys are like our lighthouse. Thank you, know, you, David. You shine that light. Yeah, you shine that light that others are 
afraid to do. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that have the same opinion, but they don't have the courage that you and the others on the Patriot Channel have, and, and I applaud you for that. And, well, you know, thank you, buddy. You, and God you bless take you. Take care, sir. Be safe. You too. Northeast Philly, man. I used to hang out there all the time. So my wife and I went back there, far northeast this time, <clears throat> so we had to pick something up. I'm driving around looking for Italian water ice and soft pretzels, because that's what I used to eat all the time. I used to eat them together, a bite of one and a bite of the other. bite of one, lemon Italian water ice, nothing like a Italian water. And a Philadelphia soft pretzel, you know, it looks like an eight or whatever. Put some of the mustard on it. I was dying for it. I haven't had it in years. And I'm driving through there about a month ago. So where the hell is it? Couldn't find it anywhere. I mean, I couldn't drive the whole city, but I figured, what, the Northeast? Where the hell is it? Little place I used to drive by, in a row house. At the bottom, they had a window there that they would open. You go over there, you buy it. It's closed. Gone. Sad. Sad these things go away. Uh, Mike. Manhattan, New York, the great WABC. How are you, sir? Uh, how are you, too, uh, Mark? Thank you. Uh, yeah, the Turks invaded Cyprus in 1974. They killed 13 of my mother's relatives, okay? They have 40,000 troops on half the island, and uh, Cyprus has been an outstanding ally to America and Israel. And I hope that Trump uh, keeps the sanctions in until they remove the 40,000 troops that are still in Cyprus, they've been there. They killed many thousands of people. They threw many thousands in prisons that never saw the, the light of day again. And I hope that uh, uh, President Trump uh, keeps the sanctions on until those troops are out of Cyprus as well. All right, my friend. Appreciate your call. Tyler, Fort Pierce, Florida. Sirius Satellite. Very nice, very nice area. How are you? I'm fine, sir. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. I uh, agree with you. I was a combat officer in Vietnam, and that's where I got wounded. But I'm sorry you uh, got wounded. Thank you, though. My problem is when we make a promise to somebody, whether it's written or not, we need to stand by it. The Kurds helped us. I think Turkey's wrong. I think the sanctions should be stronger. And I wish there was some way we could uh, get them expelled from NATO except the issue of our military bases. The other thing is, in my opinion, of course I'm an old guy, but in my opinion, ever since uh, Korea, we have taken the attitude of fighting wars not to win. We fight them not to lose. And we can't hang people out like we have with the Kurds. That's a huge mistake. And I agree with you on both points. We get into these wars, we got to win, and we got to be able to use the firepower we need to use to win. And I, I'll tell you what I'm sick of. I don't like the way we fought in Iraq, particularly the second time around. Our guys are going into these towns, going into these alleys, getting butchered, getting all shot up because we don't take the towns off the face of the earth. We don't fight wars like we fought World War II. <clears throat> if a war's worth fighting, get in there and beat the crap out of them and get the hell out of there. That's it, exactly, and I want to thank you for uh, standing on the front lines in this war. Well, it's not a shooting war, but, uh, but it is, it's very, very frustrating and worrisome. Thank you very, very much, Tyler, you. for your service. God bless you, my friend. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin'. 
Few things in life can change your entire outlook on the day. Call from your boss asking you to work the weekend, early construction right outside your bedroom window in the morning you wanted to sleep in. That'll ruin your day. How about when your check engine light comes on? That usually means thousands of dollars in repairs. That's why we have CarShield on our 2010 Camaro. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a cover repair super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's your choice. They also provide 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. CarShield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you, just like they help us. Don't let your check engine light change your life. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection like we did. Call 800-CAR-6000. Mention code LEVIN. That's 800-CAR-6000, code LEVIN. Or visit carshield.com on the internet. That's carshield.com. Use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. Either way, you'll save 10%. It's a good savings. That's carshield.com, code LEVIN. Or call 800-CAR-6000, mention code LEVIN. A deductible may apply. I want to mention one other thing. In the Commonwealth of Virginia, there's a huge election coming up, first Tuesday in November. Listen to this, America. The Republicans currently have a one-seat advantage in their state's Senate and a three-seat majority in its 100-member House of Delegates. And the state has turned purple and is moving blue. And the Democrats and their PACs and their billionaires are pouring millions and millions of dollars into the state. They've got this large liberal donor network. And they are pouring a fortune into these local races. Because they want to flip Virginia and flip it forever into a blue state. All three statewide constitutional offices, governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general, all sleazeballs, by the way, all of them are Democrats. In less than eight years, Virginia has been targeted. There have been demographic changes with people moving in from liberal states like Maryland. Immigration has had an effect. Redistricting has had an effect. And the amount of money the Democrats pour into this state, the Republicans, the billionaire Republicans and so forth, they sit back, they watch this stuff happen, these other Republican organizations, same thing. The Democrats are serious about taking power. They're power hungry and then centralizing it. So you have the Commonwealth of Virginia where the Second Amendment is, is honored, that'll be attacked. Where there's a death penalty, that'll be attacked. Excuse me. So they're one seat away from taking the Senate and really two seats away from taking the House of Delegates. And they are pouring millions and millions of dollars into these local races. So I hope the people of Virginia are paying attention. People of the nation, too. This is how they flip these states. This is how they do it. And they want to control the state, dark blue, then control redistricting, and then forevermore... You have California, or Maryland, or Illinois, or New York. This is what they do when they take over. They change the voting rules to advantage themselves. 
They change the districts to advantage themselves, to make it almost impossible to compete. And they have destroyed California. Magnificent state. They're destroying New York. They've destroyed Illinois. It used to be a Republican state. I remember when California was always Republican in federal elections. Wasn't that long ago when George H.W. Bush won California in his first time running for president after Reagan. And people said, the Republicans have such a stronghold. They have California. They have Florida. They have Texas. And they went through the states. They have Nevada, little states, big states. Now look. Now look. Very, very scary. Vladimir, Washington, D.C., the great WMAL. Go. Uh, good morning, Mark. Uh, good yes. evening, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm calling for the first time, but I'm uh, really uh, shaken by the United States decision not to support Kurds in any way. And uh, giving, uh, proposing the sanctions against uh, uh, Turkish country, I don't think this will work in the favor of Kurds, because by the time this sanction will work, uh, Turkish army will be able to exterminate Kurds completely, and then they will, came, will come with a proposal to... Well, you might uh, be right, but the Kurds, we're just running out of time. The Kurds have now aligned with Assad and the Russians. And now, uh, what kind of message are we sending to our allies? In Very bad NATO? one. Very bad. And not just NATO, but, you know, we have, we have uh, alliances with, with groups all over the world, not formal treaties and so forth, that help us and we help them. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all you folks that keep us safe. I want to thank you very much. And I will see you tomorrow right here. God bless you and be well. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.